Welcome to Thrive with Asbury Seminary, a podcast where we talk to people just like you who are looking to connect their passions with the world's deep needs. I'm your host, Wes Wilcox, and today we're sharing a conversation that I had in the spring with Zaria Zachary. She's a worship leader at the Woodlands Methodist Church in Texas and the newest member of the Bethel Music Collective. I really enjoyed my conversation with her. We talked about her journey as an artist and a worship leader, and I know it's a conversation you all will enjoy as well. So Zaria, thank you so much for joining us oh, and taking great. time out of the day because I know y'all had the worship service this morning yeah. and sounded amazing and y'all are doing a worship service oh, tonight. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. So your love for music started when you were learning piano at six years old mm-hmm. um, and you started leading worship when you were a freshman in college after you heard the Lord tell you that it was time. Mm-hmm. So how did you discern that call and did you wrestle through that? Um, <laughs> yeah, when I was six, I was like self-taught mostly. And then I took lessons like middle school and then I joined choir in high school. I never thought I would like sing in this capacity because I was used to singing in a group. Um, and I always thought worship leading was just scary. Like just because I was like, I can't believe this person is standing up there and is like leading people in worship. Um, and so when I was a freshman in college, she's uh, I had one of my good friends now, um, but I didn't know her at the time, but I was visiting a college ministry um, when I was going to tech and I walked in and she would like introduce herself and then she was like, hey, we have like openings on the worship team. Like, have you ever thought about doing that? And I was like 18 and I was like, no, I don't think so. And she had never heard me sing nothing. It was just an inkling of like, you should try this. And for the next four months, she pursued me like, and was like, you need to do this. And I was like, no. (laughs) And finally I uh, auditioned for the worship team and I made it and um, I was very shocked. Uh, And I was just, because I was like, you trust me to like, you know, and just people like teaching me and me learning from them. And I basically never stopped leading worship since then. So it's like a fair, leading worship is a fairly new um, thing for me. Uh, I've always been in church, but compared to my peers, you know, they're like, I've been doing this since I was like 12. And I'm like, oh, I joined at like 18. So, but it's great, yeah. That's very cool. So how did the person who uh, told you you should join the worship team, did she ever explain why she thought you should do that? No, literally to this day, she's just like, I hadn't, she was like, I just felt like I was supposed to tell you that you should audition. Literally, she's one of my best friends and like, we still talk about it. And I'm just like, how did you like think to do that? And I I have, it's literally Jesus that steered me in that direction. That's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. So what encouragement would you offer to someone who is in the position you were in back then and um, is maybe feeling the call to being a worship leader but feels anxious about it or is like, oh, that's not for me. How would you encourage them? Man, I would say one, like find a safe place where where your um, gift can be cultivated. Gifting is not everything for sure. there's a whole other side to worship, but I would say find a safe place, whether that's like a group of friends that feel safe and like sing with them and then like, you know, and then take a next step to like leading in church or doing whatever. Uh, Cause I feel like that's the journey I took. 
I would like sing with my friends and do things, but never that. And I really feel like those moments prepared me for leading worship and doing those things. I would also say like, um, I would say our points of our greatest resistance are the places that the Lord wants to use us most, most of the time. Um, I know so many people like, it's not even worship leading, it's like people who are authors, people who, you know, like create art and things like that. They're like, I don't know if I'm that good. I don't know if I can do this. And then like, they're amazing at like what they do. And you're like, you have to do this. And I feel like every great, you know, person who's so wonderful at their craft and what they do, I feel like there's always this thread of like, oh yeah, I thought I was terrible or like, I didn't think I could do this. And like, here I am. And so that's what I would say is like our, it's our point of the greatest like tension is where the Lord wants to use us. And so that's, those are the two things I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And I I know from reading about a lot of musicians and folks, you do see that a lot that in creative people is we have a lot of self doubt and we are our worst critic and it's very hard to get beyond the voice in our own head saying, no, you can't do that. Yeah. 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 And I'm learning like, um, who am I to withhold the kingdom from something that the Lord could use to bring people into, you know, the family of Jesus? Like, like, why would I withhold that from anyone, you know? And so that's also another stance I've taken of like, man, like this could like impact someone's life um, and like bring them into the kingdom of God. And so I think that's a whole other like um, stance of like, oh, it, it takes it from a place of like, I'm stressed and I'm scared of this to like, I'm in awe that the Lord will want to do this. And then you do it out of love. And so, yeah. yeah. And it takes the pressure off of you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it puts it back where it belongs. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so since you started with your worship leading, things mm-hmm. have really taken off for you. Yeah. And uh, you have apparently over 400,000 monthly listens on Spotify and over 6 million plays of the song Back to Life. So you're quickly becoming a household name among yeah. Christian music listeners. And you're also the newest member of the Bethel Music Collective. So just talk to me about how that's impacted your role as a worship leader at the Woodlands as well. Gosh, um, man, I, I moved to the Woodlands, I moved back I'm from around that area. Um, I had lived in Lubbock, Texas for six years, but I moved back a year ago. Oh man, it has changed a lot of things. Uh, I think I have more of an appreciation for the local church than I ever have before. Um, Just because it feels like a landing spot, especially because I've, because of, you know, what the Lord has done, I've shifted from this place of just leading at a local church to like, leading in the U.S. and in other countries and like all of these things. And I'm like, whoa. And you can kind of feel like a nomad <laughs> and feel displaced and kind of sporadic. But it's so nice to like, I've, I feel like I've committed to myself of anytime I come back into town, I immediately will like that week go to church. And like, it's so nice to come back to a place of just grounding and like home and you're not seen as like, you know, Zaria Zachary with Buffalo Music, but you're just seen as Zaria. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the accountability that comes with local church. I say it all the time, like, those people see who you actually are, not, you know, 
the, you know, two hour set and then it's like, bye. It's like, they actually know me, um, which is so special. And so I think also with leading at a local church, um, it's more of a long haul process, if that makes sense. Like you're in process with the people that you're communing with. Um, It's not just, uh, you know, I'm gonna sing this song and like lead worship and like invite you into this encounter and then leave. Mm. Like I am planning myself and choosing to invest in a specific community. Um, And I feel like that has, that has taken a whole new value for me. Um, Cause yeah, both are beautiful. But this one, I'm always like, man, it feels so much more sacred to, you know, be communing with people that way. So. Oh, yeah. And you're doing life with those people. Yes. And when you're on the road, you don't have no. that ongoing connection. No. Yeah. yeah. No. But, yeah. It, yeah, it's wonderful what the Lord does in those. I always love the, the part I love about travel is, like, the Lord, we get to partner with him and then plant seeds into people. And hopefully those people scatter those, you know, everywhere else. But, yeah, I can't water those on a weekly yeah. basis. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, can you tell me how you got connected with the Bethel Music Collective? And yeah, I, until reading about that, I didn't know what the Bethel Music Collective was. So can you <laughs> yeah, tell us what that is? For sure. So Bethel Music uh, is a label and it's a collective of people that's based in Redding, California. Um, the covering is Bethel Church, um, whose pastors is Bill Johnson, and um, just an amazing house of, their mantle is worship. It's, it's what the house was founded on. So even though it is a label, it has a church's covering, um, which is very unique from any other uh, group or label that you will find. Um, just because local church, we have local church in mind, um, it's like we, we, I mean, the musicians and things that we have and songwriters, we could do so much, I feel like, which we want to, but we always come back to this place of how do we serve the local body first? Um, because this is what the Lord has placed on that thing. And so um, basically like the collective consists of like Jen, Brian Johnson, Paul and Hannah McClure, like the Helsers who wrote I Raise a Hallelujah and like No Longer Slaves. Um, it's David Funk, the list goes, but like it is just a body of people who love Jesus and love the local church and want to serve it. Um, and so that's what I'm a part of. And I got to join it two years ago, um, two and a half years ago, just about. That's wild. Uh, time goes by really fast. Uh, and so basically how I got connected with Bethel was a God thing. I was um I was, I attended Texas Tech University. Um, I got my degree in philosophy and my intention was to be a lawyer. Interesting. I was not going to do this. <laughs> um, and my sophomore year, I remember the Lord, I was on my way to class and he stopped me. Um, and he was like, Zaria, he was like, I need you to either choose worship or a lawyer. And he was like, I'll bless either one, whichever way you choose, I'll bless it. And I remembered stopping and I immediately called my mom and I was like mom I'm gonna be a worship leader and I was like I got no clue what that looks like I just started like a year ago I have zero clue what I'm doing but that's what I'm doing and I finished college um, but I didn't go into law school and um, I my sophomore year of college I did an album with my local church and some guys from Bethel who they produced that album and that's, that was kind of my first introduction to Bethel. I really didn't know who, like, 
Bethel was or like Hillsong or anyone. Um, and so I just did that album and then they told Bethel about me. And I didn't know that until last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was like, it was like a four or five year gap of me not knowing that they were, you know, they were like, we've always been watching you. And I was like, you know, a little creepy, but not, <laughs> but you know, they just want to make sure that it's a person that has, you know, character, got, mm -hmm. you know, all of the things. And so um, I graduated college and um, at the end of college, I was a baker at a coffee shop. I had been a baker there since my, my junior year of college, but I went into full time after that. And um, I was baking at my job one day, and then I just got a text message from my local pastor. They had reached out to him um, because they were like, is this something that you think that, you know, she's healthy enough for that she would want to be a part of and do, which I loved that. Um, and so uh, he reached out to me and he was like, uh, so I got the craziest <laughs> text message today. And so then they invited me out to Reading and I um, got to meet all of them and worship with them and do all the things and then they asked me to be on the collective um so yeah it was a really fast process like the song back to life mm. i think we i recorded that after after like joining um i think it was like maybe a month after oh, wow. so i was like for like every, the band guys that are all behind me i'm still like learning who they all like i knew of them because you know but like just getting to know them. It was a God thing. Um, the coolest part of the whole process is that like, I didn't have to do anything, didn't have to touch it. Um, and it, and it's like, it's the saying of like, if the Lord sustains it, if he starts it, you don't have to do anything. And it's been the coolest thing because I felt zero pressure to sustain any of it. So it's been wonderful. Yeah. Wow. That is quite the story going from philosophy major yeah. to taking a yes. hard left turn into yeah. something else. Yes, so. there's so many other little intricate details of how the Lord just showed himself in, throughout the process. It would be like, I could be here for hours, but it is wonderful. Yeah, it's wow. wild, yeah. Well, so that leads kind of into my next question. What is life like for you now um, as you found more success and are traveling more and seems like things have happened pretty quickly, so. yeah. What is that like for you? Man, so I'm now a full-time songwriter and a worship leader. So I, <laughs> even when I joined the Bethel Collective, I was still working at my baking job. It was wonderful. I, I remembered going on my first tour and then I came back and I just baked. And they were like, why are you still here? And I was like, this is good for me. I need, I need this. Um, and so, but recently up until a year ago, I transitioned into full-time songwriting and worship leading. Um, and it has been wonderful and also challenging, navigating, um, stewarding of time, uh, which you would think like, oh, you just wake up at like eight or nine, you know, and then you just roll out of bed and then like you just go create all day and it's easy. And it's like, actually, no, <laughs> um, it is, it's, it's a stewarding of time. And it's also realizing that like, um, my life is the song. I don't have to try to scrapple for it. Um, and so I try to live my life in a way that um, cultivates songs, if that makes sense. So uh, like reading and like, you know, watching specific things and like listening to, you know, podcasts and different things like that to cultivate um, this artistic lifestyle 
rather than feeling like my life is the sum of a song. Um, and so that's been a whole new thing. Um, and then I invest my time at the Woodlands Methodist Church. Um, I love just like being a part of Bristol House and like helping out with that and like songwriting and um, yeah, it's been a joy. And so that's kind of what my life looks like is just, uh, I feel like relationship and um, with other people and the Lord has really marked this season of walking in deep relationship in those capacities. Hmm. So yeah. Wow. So that, that leads into what I was wanting to ask you next, which is how do you restore yourself and find yeah. rest spiritually and even physically in the midst of what can be a demanding lifestyle yes. in some ways? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a lot of trial and error. Uh, I remember like a lots of error. <laughs> um, and I, I remembered after my first tour, I basically, I came home and I talked to no one for a month. Don't know, I, like I just shut down and I was like, oh Lord, how do we, how do I navigate this? Because um, it's, it's jarring leading worship for, you know, in different spaces dif for different, you know, numbers of people and then you go home. <laughs> um, and so it, it has been hard, a hard juxtaposition of like, okay, Lord, how do I assimilate back into life? Uh, I will never forget, um, there's a guy named David Paleo. He, he's a guitar tech at Bethel. He's an incredible human. But I remember he sent us a text message and he was like, hey guys, um, he was like, I read a thing about deep sea divers. And he was like, they slowly have to acclimate back up. Or because it's dangerous if you, you know, go too fast. And he was like, give yourself some grace to slowly acclimate you know, back up to the surface. Um, and that gave me so much peace. And I've taken that on with my life of like, sorry, I have grace for yourself. Like you traveled super far and you're traveling back, just breathe. Um, and so I think that's helped. Also, like I go on walks a lot. I have a trail that I go to in the woods, like where I live and it has been the safest place for me. And I'll just go and talk with God but I feel like having one steady thing that I do, <laughs> it helps. Um, and then also creating a schedule for myself. Um, and so I feel like those things have helped um, with the demanding. And also like my friends always make fun of me for this, but like taking vitamins, drinking water, doing like what you, I'm learning, like I've had to learn very quickly like what you intake into your body matters like your physical temple matters just as much as your spirit, like it's all connected. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I've become way more conscious of that like over the past two years. So oh, yeah. I feel like all of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I can imagine when I mean, you have to take care of yourself physically and yeah. that is a demanding lifestyle. And, yes. And I would also think there's a part of it that when you come off the road and then you're back into normal life yes. with folks who they haven't been living that lifestyle. Yep. That's a hard thing because they're just like, oh my day, my life uh -huh. has been going on like normal. And you're like, yes. well, I've <laughs> been to however many different cities and yeah. however many days. And, yes. and it's a totally different yeah. um, world mm -hmm. from what everybody else that you come back to is, is used to. Cause you're uh, like, Cause sometimes my mom will call me like if um, I'm on like tour or whatever and 
sometimes it's like, you know, 10 or 11 and I'm still asleep. Cause that's like the thing you're like, you're supposed to sleep. Like they're like, do not wake up at like 6 AM. You're going to regret it. Like, um, and my mom's like, what are you doing? Like asleep. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it's like the cross of like the, the normal life. Cause my mom that, you know, like wakes up at like 5 AM for her job. And I'm like, yeah, we're, I was like, we're in totally two different yeah. worlds. And so that's a funny overlap of, with that, of, yeah, navigating relationships in that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in your local church setting, how does leading worship there differ from when you're out leading to people, strangers, um, yeah. and probably larger audiences? What is your approach and how does that differ? Mm. Whenever we travel, to like different states or countries, um, I I feel like our goal always is, Lord, what are you doing in this specific region? Um, and I also, I feel like we really try to ask the Lord and we also kind of do research of like, what is happening here? Like, is there like, um, is there like any sort of, you know, conflict happening in this country or state or disarray that's happening in like, how do we prophesy over this place, the perfect order of Jesus and like the, you know, like what can we do? I feel like that's what we more focus on when we travel and we focus on like, you know, Lord, what are you doing in this specific moment in time for this group of people? Um, which is so special. Um, like I remember like three weeks ago, I was in South Africa and I, the Lord had given me, I had felt this word of, you know, encouraging people who were the only believers in their family. And I felt the compassion of the Lord wash over me and I just started crying and just encouraging them like, you can keep going. And that is significant and special, especially with the large group that the Lord is like, this is on my heart, like to feel the heart of God for that many people. It feels like, oh my goodness, like, Lord, you want to tell me what's on your heart for these people? Um, I feel like with local church, it's so different, but it's, it, I feel like it's more one-on-one -on -one relational things. Because um, you already kind of, if you go to the church often, you know what's going on at the church. Mm. Um, and you're singing over those things and leading over that. But with local church, I feel like I am able to have more one-on-one -on -one connection with people and like specifically speak into people's lives. There is a, there are times to like corporately speak over church. Um, but yeah, I feel like that feels like the difference because I'm not able to, like we said before, I'm not able to have the one-on-one -on -one, um, conversations with people. Uh, and I feel like local church also teaches me humility a lot. Um, because you know, when people pay for a ticket to come to a place or an event, you know, they're hyped up. They're like, we're ready to go. And local church, sometimes there's a mom who has four or five kids barely hanging on, trudging in little energy and is like, I just made it and I'm here and I'm so glad I'm here. And I just, that's it. That's all I have to give. And it's like, and that also is valuable. And yeah. me, uh, I remembered the Lord checked me as he so kindly does and was like, Zaria, can you see the hearts of men? And I was like, no, I can't. And he's like, then you can't judge based upon a response of, you know, like that's not why you're here is for a response. Because it was the contrast <laughs> of local church to that. And so it's definitely um, helped me to see the heart of God for the local church. Of he, he cares just as much 
about that mom and you know about that dad as much as these people over here. And so, yeah, I think that's what I've learned in the contrast oh, yeah. between that. Yeah, and I, I would think it's it's good to have a local church to return to and yes. to have that grounding of a, yeah. a, a church body and family that yes. is where you can also restore yeah. and have worship. And um, that's very cool. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's also taught me like, it re even reflects our walk with the Lord. We'll have those mountaintop moments yeah. with God, but we, like most of the time we're in the vat, like we're in the valley, like and walking with Him through that. Like, not that we'll always be there, but I feel like most of the time it's the mundane yes. places that Jesus finds us, and the mundane is so sweet. Mm -hmm. um, we just gotta look for it, um, and so it's really it's needed because you can't always be here. Because then you create a bubble around yourself and then become disconnected, you know, from the heart of God and the family of God. And that was never the intent. So, yeah. 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 Um, so since you do have those two experiences, what would you say to young worship leaders, maybe high school students? And I know sometimes the tendency for people is to look at YouTube videos and see people who are leading yeah. to thousands of people in a stadium and be like, yeah. I want to be like mm, that. Yeah. Is that where people should be looking, or how would you, what would you suggest they um, do to kind of grow their leading abilities? Yeah. Wow. Um, I remember when I started, I uh, I would go on I would go on YouTube, but I would look at people leading at local church, um, and I remembered I would watch like Stephanie Gretzinger and like Amanda Cook and Jeremy Riddle all. On, they're at us on a Sunday and just leading and watched how they le led the presence like with the presence of God and I was like oh my gosh like that's amazing like and I feel like that was my grid always I don't it's so funny I think it was the Lord's protection because I never went that route of like oh let me look at like this massive stadium <laughs> event um, uh, and so I would I honestly would say what would I say to them? I would say one, don't undermine how much you don't know. Mm. I think it's okay that you don't know a lot. No. I'm learning the people that think that they know everything actually know nothing um, about worship. It is like I, I have worship leaders I look up to and it's the people that constantly are in a state of wonder and in a state of learning that carry the innocence and the purity of heart to lead worship and to steward what the Lord is doing in the room. Um, so don't undermine that. Because even you can look through the Bible and see like the disciples, like some of them thought they knew so much. They thought that they were the best. They were always concerned with who's the best. And the Lord always was like, hey, like become like the little children mm -hmm. and you will inherit the kingdom of God. Like just shifting back to that mindset. So I would say always just wonder and awe and you'll stay in that purity and the humility um, from that place and also don't be afraid to ask for help <laughs> and just go up to a local leader or someone that you look up to and say like I have no clue what I'm doing I want to do this but like how do I get there because I feel like um, that person's gonna be able to walk with you and like shepherd you and help you rather than like like watching a lot of videos, I don't think it's bad. Um, there's a lot of great, you know, 
like worship and how to you know be worshipful and pure of heart but there's nothing like someone walking hand in hand with you um, and helping you steward what the Lord is doing and for me I prayed like Lord show me who I need to choose to help me like show me because even now I have a I have like a whole team of people that like they chose me and I chose them and they're walking with me like through all of this um, and so that's what I would say um, for them. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's great. Um, to, to take a step away from worship, I want to talk to you about your songwriting. Yeah. And, um, because I'm fascinated I love it. by that. And so what is your writing process? And do you write with groups of people or yeah. do you write by yourself? Yes. So I started off... Um, writing with my worship pastor at my church in Lubbock. He was like, I still look up to him, but he, I remembered every single day I'd show up to his office and I'd be like, teach me something, show me. And he would like teach me about structure of songs, you know, he like, there's a verse, there's a chorus, there's a verse, a bridge, chorus, you know, just teaching me all of those things and like rhyming patterns. And that's kind of where I learned the foundational of songwriting. Um, Cause he always told me, he said, in order to learn how to break the rules, you have to know the rules really, really well. Um, and now I can break them a little bit and, you know, do whatever. Um, but that's kind of where I started with that. And then I started writing by myself. It wasn't only an up until I really, like, you know, joined the Bethel Collective that I started writing with other people. And that is a gift. Um, I've had some of the best moments ever of, I just love when, I can, I remembered, I was like, man, I really want to write a song about the power of the blood of Jesus. And just, because there, there seemed to be this like theological disconnect for me of like, how is a personal in me? Like, how, what Jesus, like show me, like, and make this new for me. Um, and I remembered like going into a room and saying that and all of us being like, whoa, like I feel that way too. And then the Lord coming and giving you language, like, it's wonderful. It's cool to write by yourself, but when you're in a group, because he promises to be there in the midst of believers. And so it's like, even in those moments, it's wonderful. Um, I feel like with my writing process, it's um, sporadic, to say the least. Um, sometimes I'll get a little ditty in my head and I'll pull out my phone and just have random mumblings and then go from there and it's birthed some really cool songs. Um, but like, there's other times where like, I'll sit at the piano and like, the Lord just drops something in my spirit and I'm just like, oh, okay, let's try this. And then he's literally writing the song. Like, <laughs> mm. um, it's not always that easy. Um, I've had songs where it's taken me months and months to finish them, um, but, yeah, I would say I'm definitely open-handed with my process. Um, but yeah, I mostly write from a piano. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, and so that's kind of how my writing looks. I get inspiration from books, from movies, from like sermons. That, that is the best, like from a really great sermon, you're like, whoa, like I never thought of the gospel that way or I never saw this that way. Um, so I feel like it's a huge mixing pot of all of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, just from other friends that I have who do songwriting, it seems like, like you said, sometimes it just comes quickly. Yeah. And 
and I, I know talking to people, they'll say, I really can't explain how yeah. it happens. <laughs> and I, I find that fascinating that it's it's yeah. almost a uh, mystical, spiritual process oh, yes. to even create a song. Yeah, I would always say like, uh, I remembered, I, I recently um, with Bethel Music, we released a song called Surrounded by Holy off of this new album we did. And uh, I fortunately, I was recording our entire songwriting session because we were all just in it. And I, I had like hours and hours of like listening through and to listen of how like we would just wait on the Lord and like we would get something and we would just be like, oh my goodness, like how did that happen? Or I'd mumble something under my breath, like a melody. And I was like, where did that come from? Like, but it's cool to listen back and see how the Lord comes in waves and you just wait on him and just sit with him and think together. And it was, it's wonderful. Yeah, it is kind of a, like, a, it is a spiritual thing that you yeah. do with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And also takes cultivating that ground artistically. Yes. And not just thinking, oh, well, anybody can write a song. No. It yeah, takes yeah. the day in and day out. hundred percent. My, yeah. one of my mentors, he says, discipline creates freedom. So oh, you have to good. be disciplined in what, you know, I'm very careful about what I watch, what I listen to. All I'm very like disciplined and strategic because it creates so much freedom on the back end of, yeah. yeah, like hearing from the Lord and all those things. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. So tell us about the song Simple Ways. Yeah. Because I was listening to that. I love that song. <laughs> I'm so that's glad. awesome. Um, how did that come about? And just tell me a little bit about what that yeah. song means to you. Yeah, I, it is so funny. I call it a happy accident. Of It's not an accident to God at all. Um, it's so funny. I was looking through my notes actually the other day and I had written, um, uh, I had written in my notes maybe like a year or two ago, like, Lord, just like simplify me. Like, just like a note of like, Lord, I just want to go back to being things being simple. And I was like, oh, that's funny, like <laughs> that he did that. Um, but yeah, I, how did that song come about? Uh, okay, I was writing a song actually separate, which it was not the vibe of that at all. It was like this like lo-fi, minor-esque type thing. Um, and I had started out the verse was like, you are the endless well, deep enough to reach past the bottom of the ocean floor. That's what it was at first. Then I went to that songwriting session with my friends Jeff and Bethany who helped write it. And Bethany features on the, she's a part of the collective as well. Mm -hmm. But I show up to that write and Jeff is like playing, you know, the he has like these like pre-made tracks that he makes and he's playing it. And then I start singing like that and we like tweak the melody a little bit. And then from there, it like blossomed into what it was. Wow. Um, yeah, I think we wrote that in maybe like two hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Actually, we, we probably wrote it in like two hours and then recorded most of the vocals that are on that are from when we were recording the demo. We only had to go back and tweak a couple little things. Wow. Most of that is from the demo. That's amazing. It's wild. Um, and so all in all, we wrote it and recorded it in like three hours. It was crazy. That is crazy. Wow. It's Jesus. It was Jesus. Yeah. And we wrote it and we were like, which is, this is hilarious. We were writing, it was for the Come Up Here writing camp. And we ended up writing that song. And we were like, 
oh, like that was a fun song that we made, not thinking that like anyone, we wouldn't release it or anything. And then like our team heard it and they were like, guys, this song is amazing. Yeah. And we were like, what? Um, and so, and then it got released and we were like, okay, great. Um, and so it honestly, the whole process, it was a joy to do it. It was just like all of our friends coming together and like just having fun, which I believe the Lord wants us to create from joy. Mm -hmm. Like there are songs for of lament and like sadness, but I forgot that he wants us to create from joy. And so that song definitely reminds me of, um, to like, the joy of my salvation of like, it is so simple. Like it's not this complicated thing. It was funny, one of my friends pointed out, um, I have a safe place that I go to with the Lord, like in my mind, and it's out in a field and I'm in a white dress and I just go sit with him. And I remembered when my mom was sending, cause the cover is a baby picture of me. And my mom was sending in photos and I saw that photo and I was like, that's it. I don't know why, but that's it. And my friend was like, it is so funny that the Lord was like, that is the cover because that's who I show up as. Like wow. when I go sit with him and when I gaze at him and look at him, it's returning to the simplicity of the gospel of looking at him and being like, man, Jesus, you're it. Like, it's not complicated. It's not this hard thing. Um, and so, yeah, that whole song was just so sweet and so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very cool story. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can definitely hear the joy yeah. in that. And the, it, I'm sure it was fun to, to make that and put yes. that together. Yeah. It was like, I will never forget we were recording vocals and we were just like giggling the whole time because we were like, we can't believe that we did this like all that fast. So it was fun. Yeah. 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 What are some songs or artists that have shaped you musically and yeah. the, maybe some that you still listen to? Man. Okay. I have some secular and, and non and oh. Christian. Um, I really believe the people that have deeply impacted me have been people like Stephanie Gretzinger, Amanda Cook, Carrie Job, Rita Springer, um, like, you know, like Jeremy Riddle, like those people who, and Melissa Helser, oh my goodness, that lady, so great. Uh, but I just saw the way that they wholeheartedly, passionately, with a fire, follow after the Lord and how it oozes out into the way that they worship and their songwriting. Um, it's so connected to their lives, which I was like, man, I want that. And the longevity that they have. They're not worried about, um, you know, influence or anything like that. They have this longevity with the Lord and I'm like, I want that. So I feel like they've definitely impacted even my musical choices and the way that I do things um, in a wonderful way. Also on the other side, I mean, I love people like Alicia Keys and like John Bellion and uh, Julia Michaels. Like Julia Michaels is, she's like a poet first. Um, and like, even like Alicia Keys, she's awesome. And John Bellion's an incredible musician. But just the way that they like craft songs, I like really focus in on that of like, oh my goodness, like your play on words here, like all of those things, it intrigues me. Um, and just the creative, uh, they don't, they don't stress when they create. They're like, if they're like, if I ever come into a point of tension, they're like, I just walk away and go do something fun, because this is supposed to be joyful, you yeah. know. And I, and I, because you know, secular world, 
there's a lot of flaws with that. Um, but I take the good bits and I'm like, oh, like I could use this over here to make this stronger. Um, so I feel like that whole mixing pot of people, I feel like has impacted me deeply as a songwriter and an artist, so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always interesting to hear the artists behind the artist, the artist that yes. created the one that yeah. you're listening to currently. 100%. Because like, you know, there's a lot of musicians that I like and I love to find out yes. who is behind them that yeah. formed them. So it is one giant family tree. Yeah. Because like a lot of the people that you may like, because I remembered that was when I first like joined my mentor, he was like, one of your assignments, I want you to make a family tree of music. Oh, and I was cool. like, what? I've never thought about that. Yeah. And he was like, you know, pick the four or five people that you feel like have impacted you the most and see who's impacted them and see who those. And you look down and you're like, oh my goodness. There's like this thread of um, people who have shaped, you know, the history of like music as we see it now. But it's wonderful because then you're like, whoa, I actually like the rest of this music too. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. you, you learn a lot yourself by doing that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I would say if you want to do that, it's a great tool. So That's yeah. cool. That's a very good idea. Yeah. Um, all right. So this, this interview is part of the Thrive series of interviews. Yeah. So we always like to end with the question, what is one practice, spiritual or otherwise, that's helping you thrive right now? Oof. Um, I f a practice I've picked up a lot more lately is reading my Bible intentionally um, every single day it is like it I know how valuable the Bible is but sometimes I just read it and I'm like okay I'm reading it to get this done but I have found such it's such a gift and it's made kept my heart tender of like whoa like these words are real like there's a like this is Jesus like this is who he is from front to back and it is it's changing me in the best way all over again um, I feel like that is a thing I've really, really picked up. Um, also, what else do I do to thrive? What's, what's a fun thing? So it's not like, uh, what do I do? I play with my dog. That's all. I love my dog. Yeah. I talk about him all the time. His name is Jasper. He's a 75 pound Labradoodle. He's the best. I'll like go on walks with him and like play catch outside with him. That's really amazing. Um, yeah, what else do I do to thrive? I feel like one more thing I do is uh, <laughs> I've realized that like in my generation, I guess specifically, we like kind of don't look at uh, the older generation, if that makes sense, of people who've gone before us. So I've like really like gotten into like reading books by people who are like, you know, way, way, might be gone, you know, and like, but I've taken up that thing of like reading the works of theirs and it's been wonderful um yeah it's been really cool to see like oh my goodness this person wrote this book however many years ago and the things that they're talking about now literally apply to now yes. like there's nothing new under the sun yeah. and you get to learn from past generations and i feel like that's helped me thrive as a person um so yeah i feel like all of those things have been really good so yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking time oh, to be with us today. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Yes. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah.